Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online. I'm so glad you're here with us. If you're our guest, we just want to tell you thank you for tuning in, being a part. We're honored you're here with us today. We're in a series we've called Rhythm. Last week, we kicked off this series, and we titled the message Stomp. I hope you were able to tune into that. You can check it out uh, online if not. And the idea, the premise of that message is beginning to uh, step into the rhythm of God for our life, God's rhythm of life. The rhythms of our faith. You know, culture, everything moves to rhythm. We, we sleep on rhythm. The sun rises and, and, and sets to the rhythm of time. Everything has a rhythm to it. Culture has its own rhythm, and God has his own rhythm as well. And last week, in week one, we challenged everyone to begin to embrace the rhythm of God. What would my life look like if I laid down the rhythm of culture and I picked up the rhythm of God. Our, our theme verse, if you want to pull out your notes right there online, you can see those. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And this is what he's talking about. He tells us, don't, don't move so well to the rhythm of culture. He says it this way, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your thoughts, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. What is he saying? Discover, recognize what he wants from you and respond to it. That's the rhythm of God. That's the rhythm of our faith. Discovering what he wants and responding to it. Action and reset. It's the idea of rhythm. Rhythm is this, it's not only just the sound, it's not just the beat, but it's also the silence in between. It's the combination of the two that creates rhythm. And last week we, dis we, we discovered that scripturally, Jesus in the Bible, he always, he always reset. You can see any major thing that Jesus did in the gospels, times when he walked on water, when he chose the 12 disciples, when he, when he healed many people, when he healed the blind and healed the deaf and even raised the dead, after every single one of those moments, he had spent time in prayer with the Father. It says it in Mark chapter 1 that he, he withdrew early in the morning away from people to be alone with the Father in prayer. And we discussed last week that the rhythm of God, the, if we're going to move to God's rhythm, if we're going to embrace God's rhythm, that we need to spend time in prayer and that we need to learn to submit ourselves to the Word of God. That's the basic rhythms of our faith. The very basic rhythms of our faith is that we have a relationship with the Father. That's what prayer is. It's simple. It's a relationship. And then not only in that do we have a relationship with him, but we're submitted to his word. He's not just our savior, he's our Lord. How many times have we seen something brought out in scripture that maybe emotionally I just didn't agree with, or I just didn't want to go that direction? Well, you know, it's not submission if we agree with it or if we're on board with it. And we're, we're challenging us in the stepping in the rhythm of God for our life to at times in our life when we see that Scripture speaks to something, that we submit ourselves to the truth of God's Word. The Bible is the basis on which we live our lives. It's how we make decisions. If we have a question on what needs to be done or a decision that needs to be made, 
we always go to the Bible for our answers. It's how we move to the rhythm of God in our life. It's the basic rhythms of our faith. It's action reset. And that's how Jesus reset, and it's how God has called us to reset our lives. We've learned, we said this last week, that the reset determines the value of our action. And today, I want to talk to you, the the title of today's message, week two, is We Got the Beat. And you've heard the old song, I'll read you just part of the first lyrics. It says, see the people walking down the street, fall in line, just watching all their feet. They don't know where they want to go, but they're walking in time. They're doing it together. They got the beat. And the idea is that that a, a, a primary rhythm of grace, a primary rhythm of God in our life is community, that we do life together. Can I tell you this, that oftentimes you really won't fully discover the purpose of God for your life until you discover godly community in your life. God uses and surrounds us with people to help guide us in our direction. So many times I've seen so many people really not have direction in their life until they step into godly community, into the rhythm of God's grace for their life, and they begin to step and beat with others who are following after Jesus, who may not have it all together, who may not have all the answers, but we're stepping in time to the rhythm of God's grace in our life. Part of a major rhythm of our faith is community. Why is it? Because we were designed to do life with people. We were not designed by God to be isolated. If anything has proven that to be true, it's been the last 12 to 13 months. So many people were instantly isolated alone. And it began to deteriorate their faith, their emotions, Come on, depression was an all-time high. Anxiety has been at an all-time high. Suicide rates have increased. Isolation has literally deteriorated our culture to to amazing degrees. Check this out. There's some statistics that were released by the CDC. They say that social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes. Not just anything, all causes from social isolation. A risk that many, they say, rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Isolation, loneliness, away from community. It's deteriorating our health. It says that social isolation was associated with about 50% increase of dementia in America. 50% increase of dementia in America caused by social isolation. They say poor social relationships characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with 29% increase of heart disease and 32% increase of stroke. That's the physical consequence of being socially isolated away from community. They say loneliness was associated with a higher rate of depression, anxiety, and suicide. We know that. Check this out. The, one, the last thing they said was loneliness among, uh, among heart failure patients was associated with the nearly four times increased risk of death. 68% increased risk of hospitalization. 57% increased risk of emergency department visits. What are they saying? That isolation is, is detrimental to our health, not just emotionally, not just mentally, although that's true, but also physically. We're not designed to do life alone. 
Community matters. It matters. It's why God wired us this way. He created us as social beings. We're not designed to be alone. Maybe you're here today and you're tuning in and maybe you've just been isolated for way too long. Maybe because of circumstances or situations or whatever's going on, you, you, you stepped into isolation and you never dreamed that it would be for this long. You never dreamed that it would take, take go this far, but here you are, you find yourself isolated. And you couldn't answer the, the question of when's the last time you've been around good, godly community? When's the last time you've been in the presence of people that encouraged you and prayed with you and loved you and wanted to see God's best for your life? If you're honest, you're lonely. You're isolated. And it's attacked your attitude. It's attacked your personality. Come on, it's attacked your relationships. You all of a sudden are irritable when you didn't used to be. Your, your fuse is shorter than it used to be. You are offended more easily than you used to be. It's attacking your health. You're not as in good a health as you used to be. Come on, you, uh, it's easier to say, to say no to things that are healthy and yes to things that are unhealthy. Why? Because you've been isolated. You've been alone. Today, I want to give you some biblical benefits of community. My hope today is to convince you to invest in community, to stop walking away from the thing that God is using, that God has designed to bring healing into our lives. So we're going to pray and we're going to dive into four benefits I think that community brings into all of our lives as we follow and chase after Jesus. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your grace today. We're thankful for your word, that it's alive and breathing. It's for us. It was inspired by you, every piece of it. And God, it encourages us, it corrects us, it inspires us, and it equips us for every good work. Your word tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And so, Father, I pray that you use your word to inspire us today, to challenge us to live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. May you get all the glory and all the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, if we're going to do rhythm, come on, we're stepping into the rhythm of God together in community. You need to know that community challenges it challenges us, and that's a good thing. Culture would teach you uh, and, and would love to say that uh, someone to challenge your decisions or challenge your actions is a bad thing. You do you. Don't worry about anything else. But, but Scripture teaches us that community is actually created. God placed it in our lives to challenge us at times. Look at what Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the, the same temptation yourself. So what's he saying? That it's okay, it's, it's, it's a responsibility to help one another along in our faith. It's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to challenge one another in our decisions. If you see another believer overcome by sin gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. One of the greatest benefits of living in godly community is accountability. Someone holding me accountable to the truth of God's word, to the grace of God in my life. Come on, we've all heard in our lives, don't judge anybody. Nobody can judge me. Only God can judge me. Actually, none of that is biblical. Did you know that? It's actually against Scripture to, to, to be a follower of Jesus and to declare that no one can hold you accountable to the decisions you're making in your life. It's our responsibility to look out for each other, to help 
one another. It's like when my children were learning to walk. Shepherd has just turned five this past week. And I remember vividly teaching Shepherd how to walk, him learning and figuring it out. And there were lots of times when he was walking that he did fall in safe environments. But can I tell you, there was never a time that where there was where we were in an environment that I that I knew if he fell, it was potentially detrimental to his health that I didn't hold his hand. If we were walking across a road or in a parking lot or in a crowded area, there was never a time that I would that I would let him walk on his own and test it out. That was only in the safety of our home or in safe environments. But when we were in safe environments that potentially could harm him, there was never a time that I did not hold his hand. And can I tell you, there were lots of times in those environments while he was learning to walk it out, while he was learning to keep his balance and, and to walk properly, that if I was not holding his hand, he would have been injured gravely. God wants us to hold one another's hands. Listen, we live in a world designed, it is created, culture around us is created to help us, to trip us up to cause us to fail in our faith. There's an enemy of the cross. His name is, the, is Satan. It says that the enemy of this world wakes up every day to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and if we don't have people in our lives to help us to link arm in arm that we can do life with in community, an authentic community, to challenge us at times, to keep us in line with our faith, then oftentimes we make decisions that end up in horrible circumstances. We're called by God to challenge one another to live our lives on purpose. I'll give you one more example in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. Maybe you've never seen this before. This is Paul speaking. And he says, It's not my responsibility to judge outsiders. What does he say by that? Not people who don't follow Jesus, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. It is a call of God on our lives as believers to live in authentic community with one another and to challenge one another to live our lives worthy of the call of God, worthy of the gospel uh, every single day that we walk it out together in community. Don't you know that we've all got blind spots? We've all got spots in our lives that we don't recognize, that we don't see in ourselves, but that people closest to us can figure out. We all need people in our lives that can see what we don't see. We need people to challenge us in our faith, to help us move in the right direction, to stay focused on what matters. Come on, how many people in your life right now have you cast aside because they tried to challenge a decision that you know wasn't healthy, that you know wasn't right, but who are they to say something? And you've cast them aside or you're not speaking to them anymore because they were trying their best to hold you accountable to a life worthy of the gospel that you claim. Come on, we all know that community is challenging and challenging us is a good thing. Number two, if you're taking notes, you need to know it can't just be a challenge. We can't only challenge one another. Community also cares community cares. I know this, challenge without care can be hateful. We've all seen people at some point in, uh, in our lives or, or know of someone. I know of people in my past in churches and the past that I've grown up in who were really good at challenging you. They were really good at telling you what you need to do and ought to do, but they didn't do a good job of caring for people. And see, God's not telling us to challenge people and not care. 
He's not telling us to hold one another accountable and not show the love and grace that only comes through him. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says for us to share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think that you're too important to help someone, I love that he says this, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Yes, we should challenge one another to live our lives worthy of the gospel that we've claimed. But also we should walk it out, caring for one another, sharing each other's burdens. Scripture teaches us to share each other's burdens. It's not a one-sided affair. We're, not in, we're, we're in relationship together. I think the problem, one of the biggest problems I see uh, in, in faith and, and in the local church is oftentimes the burden seems to be a one-sided affair. You have a side that loves to help and loves to share, but there's also a large sum, a large side that loves to take and loves to receive. And if we're going to honor God with our lives and we're going to move to the rhythm of grace in our life, the rhythms of our faith, if we're embracing God's rhythm, it can't be one-sided. Yes, we're challenging one another, but we're caring for one another. We're sharing one another's burdens. This is a task only for those who have spent some significant time together, isn't it? Come on, it's a difficult task for acquaintances to share one another's burdens. It's a difficult task for someone that you only see on Sunday a couple of times a month, and maybe you shake hands or high five or you sit next to them in church, but you don't really know them and you're not really in relationship with them. Yes, you go to church together, and yes, you're believers together, right? You're, you're family in Christ, you're the body of Christ together, but ultimately, if you're honest with yourself, it's, you're not really going to share a legit burden or a legit need in your life with someone who's simply an acquaintance. And that's why small groups are so important. It's why community is so vitally important that you would get to know someone, that you would begin to grow trust in one another, doing life together outside of Sunday, not just on Sunday, but you're plugging in and you're, you're praying with one another, doing life with one another. And over time, that relationship grows so that you can begin to learn to share one another's burdens. Authentic, caring community cannot happen if you're not consistent and faithful to show up. Community cares but how can you care if you're not faithful to show up in somebody's life? How can you care if you're isolated and alone and away from community? Come on, whenever we as parents have to challenge our kids' disobedience with discipline, it's always backed up in my home. It's always backed up with care and love. I earn the right to correct them because they know that I love them. How many times have you, through social media or just through however you, whatever way that we proclaim, whatever it is that we proclaim to our friends, to our family, to our acquaintances and work coworkers, and even through social media, what we think people ought to do, but we don't. We've never earned the right to correct anything because they don't know that we care. How often have we challenged people, but they don't know that we care for them? Community cares? How are we caring for one another? I'll share with you three ways, just three easy ways, not in your notes, that you can care. One, spend time with them. Come on, if you're not in a small group, 
Shame on you. Get into a small group. There's no reason. They're so easy to join. There's tons of different uh, avenues that you can get into a small group. Bible study groups and, uh, and interest groups and all the different times of days and times of the week. There's, all, there's a small group that you can fit into. And you need to begin to spend time with those people. Intentionally build relationships with them. Spend time with them. That's how you can begin to care. Number two is, this one's huge. I would encourage you to pray with these people. Pray with people in your life, not just for them. You know, it's really easy. You can see it when somebody goes through a struggle on social media. You can see everybody. It's the easy thing to type in. Praying for you, praying for you, praying for you. You'll see it a thousand times, right? Praying, we're praying, we're praying. And that's all great. But what if you picked up the phone and you said, I'm going to pray for you, but I want to pray with you right now. What specifically can I pray with? What specifically can I do? Let's pray together. You go to their home and you hold their hand and you pray with them. You're investing physically in that relationship. Number three, a third way that you can show and prove that you care, maybe you can meet a need. You can meet a need. Maybe you recognize that there's a burden being carried. There's an issue that's going on and you see a need that you can meet. Can I tell you? Listen, church, you don't have to pray for the Lord to tell you if you should meet a need or not. The enemy is never going to tell you to care for someone. The enemy is never going to tell you that you should do good for somebody who can't for themselves. That's always going to be God. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't have to pray for special revelation to do that because it's already in the Word of God. As, as we see a need, always be ready to serve and to help those that are in need. That's a biblical principle. As we walk out the rhythms of our faith, it's caring for someone in your community. Who in your community are you doing life with? that you prove and have shown that you care for, because community cares. It cares. Number three, you need to write this down, community constructs. Now, I love this one, because we've already talked about how it challenges. But we also know how it cares. But community constructs, what does that mean? It means it builds us up. It encourages us. It's a positive in our lives. Hebrews chapter 10 says it this way, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, to build one another up to the things God's called us to do. Verse 25, it says, And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. Come on, who in your life are you building up? Are you encouraging? Come on, we shouldn't always just challenge. We shouldn't always, there are times where we challenge. There are times when we show care, but there's also times where somebody just needs to be encouraged, needs to be built up. Come on, are you intentionally re resisting community? Are you intentionally pushing away from it? If life's beating you down, come on, depression and anxiety and anger uh, seem to be kicking your tail, you need to get into a godly community who are intentionally encouraging you, building you up. I would say this to you. If you're surrounded by people in your life who are constantly bringing you down, you're in the wrong circle. 
You don't have to surround yourself with people full of negative energy and always consistently bringing you down or someone else around you. Or, or maybe you're surrounded by people who love to gossip about other people. Can I tell you? If they're doing it about others to you, they'll do it to them about you. Surround yourself with people who are going to construct in your life. Who is building you up? Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another. Come on, build one another up. There's no better remedy to loneliness than a relationship. The enemy knows that if he can separate you from the pack, that you're weaker and more susceptible to sin and to hurt and to pain. He knows that. So what can he do? If he, if he can separate you from the pack, if he can separate you from encouragement, he knows he has you. Community makes you stronger. Why? Because you're challenged and you're cared for, you, you're loved for, you're held accountable, you're built up. Come on, you're encouraged every day of your life. You know people are praying for you, but they're praying with you. Here's what I know. A surefire sign that someone is struggling in life and they're growing weaker in their faith is the fact that they pull away and stay away from community. Maybe you're tuning in today and this is you and you've been away from community for far too long. Can I tell you, listen, you don't, it doesn't have to be that way. I know that you can fall into the circumstances and the situation of, of culture over the past 12 months, over the past year or so. But can I tell you, don't let that be your excuse to be lonely. Don't let COVID be your excuse to be lonely anymore. Don't let isolation be your excuse to be lonely anymore. Step out and step into community. Step into God's rhythm for your life. Come on, there's a better way. And God has provided it for you. You can be surrounded by people in every facet and every avenue of your life that, that, that love God and love you. And they care for you and they'll challenge you and they'll build you up and encourage you. It's the grace of God through community for our lives. And the last thing I'll share with you, number four, if you're taking notes, is community changes. And if all the others aren't great, because they are, if those aren't good enough, I can tell you this one is. Community always changes us for the better. Godly community. James chapter 5, verse 16 says it this way. Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here's what I know. Again, this is a circumstance that you're probably not going to do with an acquaintance. Confess your sins and pray for one another. Pray with one another so that you can be healed. We know that salvation comes through Jesus and the blood of Christ only. But God designed it in a way, and you know this, we've taught this for so long here at Cultivate. God designed it in us in such a way that community would bring healing. Can I tell you that maybe you're in a circumstance in your life that you'll never fully really experience life change in until you step into godly community? Until you surround yourself with people who love you and want to see God's best for your life, who can challenge you and care for you and build you up. Only then, when you see those things happening in your life, will you begin to experience authentic life change. Maybe you're here today and you would confess, man, anxiety has gotten the best of me. Depression has gotten the best of me. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm worried. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm mad at people. I'm, I've lost relationships over this last year. I've lost relationships over the course of my life. I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Can I tell you, the answer could be community. 
God designed you in such a way that you would need people in your life who love him and want to see his best for your life. Authentic life change only comes through godly community. And let's be honest, if you're not, you're not going to be very comfortable sharing all of that with an acquaintance. So you need to get in and dig in and start intentionally investing into the lives of other people. So this is a commitment, right? It's a commitment that come hell or high water, I'm not giving up on my relationships. A choice to stick it out through thick or thin. You're sticking to a community who'll see you at your best and they'll see you at your worst. Your highs and your lows. They'll celebrate with you and they'll cry with you. They'll have to apologize to you along the way for, for messing up or doing something wrong. And you'll have to apologize to them along the way for messing up or doing something wrong. You'll have to do the same thing. Why? Because nobody's perfect. Community isn't perfect. It's designed for us to grow together, one another together. We're designed to do it together. It doesn't mean quit. Come on, just because somebody lets you down, just because somebody had to apologize, it doesn't mean quit on that community. It means to stick it out. Maybe this is your turn to be the challenger. Maybe it's your turn to begin to care for someone. Maybe it's your turn to do life on that side of the relationship. And in turn, they're going to do that same thing for you because community brings change. Community changes. And maybe you're here today and you would just, you would just admit Brandon, I need some change in my life. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of just going through the motions. And I need some people in my life. Maybe it would begin with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe your first step into godly community is that relationship, the relationship with the Father. And right where you are, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and a commitment of faith to Jesus. And then I'm going to challenge you to begin to step in to community. There's tons of small groups. Even right now, we're in the middle of a small group semester. Join. Go online at cultivatechurch.tv and join a small group and start doing life with people who care for you, who are going to do life with you. They're going to challenge you. They're going to care for you, but they're going to build you up. And you're going to begin to see life change, maybe like you never have before. So you're here today. You say, I need a relationship with the Father. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry that I've done it this long on my own by myself. I'm so tired of trying to figure it out in my own strength. Jesus, your word says that you so loved the world that you came, you surrendered your life on the cross, perfect and sinless, and you died as a sacrifice for my sins. And you came back to life three days later, rescuing us all from sin, from hell, and from death and the grave. And today I accept you as my personal Savior. I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my mouth that you are Lord. And from this day forward, I'm going to live a life on purpose that honors you. From this day forward, I'm going to step into community. And I'm going to, I'm going to begin embracing the rhythm of God in my life. I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own, in my own strength and in my own attitude. But from this point forward, Jesus, God, you helping me. I'm going to live a life on purpose that honors you. And Father, for all of my friends tuning in, maybe you're a believer and you're tuning in, but you've been isolated. You've been lonely. You've been stepping out of the rhythm of God for your life. I want to encourage you right now where you are, stop. Stop running from grace. Stop running from community. Step, in, step back into community. Step back into doing life with people. 
and step back into the rhythm of God for your life because it can make all the difference because community challenges us, it cares for us, it builds us up, it constructs, but it also changes us for the good. So right where you are, Father, I pray you bless them. You challenge us, encourage us all, God, to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you. We know that embracing your rhythm means embracing community that makes all the difference, that you would get all the glory and all the honor out of our lives in Jesus' name.